pod. What is up, party people? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Pod Matter Space. I am Jeff. <laughs> Always <laughs> my uh, fellow co-host, uh, Mr. Vinny. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. A little Thanksgiving break, huh? Oh, yeah. Turkey break. And also with us, as always, on the uh, Wild Turkey Long Branch Hotline, we got Brother Pete. Hello. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving days after. Oh, yeah. Early Christmas season. It is time for Christmas movies and sitcoms episodes. But with us on the other hotline, the uh, Dutch uh, Predator Whiskey Hotline, is Brother Sean. What is up, buttholes? Bungholes. Easy for my bunghole. How was everybody's turkey day? Pete, did you work? Yep. I always work on Thanksgiving. Get that money, right? Yeah. You know. How's hey, friends getting? I cooked 21 birds this year. You brine them? No, we don't have we, we don't have enough. Well, yeah, that's true. You need an ungodly space. space for that. Um, 21 birds, 250 pounds of mashed potatoes, something like 40 pounds of butter. Mm-hmm. Friendsgiving was that good? What's up? Was Friendsgiving good? Yeah. Yeah, we had a good time last night. Pretty... Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, friends have kids now, so it was pretty, you know, it wasn't rowdy. I was saying to it was, Sean. I... It was responsible. Yeah, I was saying to Sean how I, I bought like a handle of each liquor and nobody touched them. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people drank beer. I, I passed around some glasses of scotch towards the end. Uh, a couple of us took uh, a few shots of Jepson's Malort, uh, the Chicago uh, spirit of that tastes like bile. Um, and that was only upon request because uh, our friend Dylan saw that I had a bottle. So uh, procured by the great Richard Sastry, ah. who lives lives in Chicago. But yeah, no, we had a good time. Um, pretty low key. Uh, you know, I didn't. As host, you know, I wasn't, you know, I I didn't drink a whole lot because I was just doing the post thing. And then I poured myself a large cocktail and promptly fell asleep and woke up to it that, with the ice melted. That'll happen. I hate when that happens. Um, but I put it in the fridge and I'm going to drink it later. Nice. All right. So we dive into some episode beers slash beverages. Sean, are you back? Are you back on the beer now that the uh, marathon's done? Uh, yeah, man. Nice. I mean, I, I will say I had a few beers before the marathon, but I was like pretty lucky with them. Like uh, the morning of? No, I had one during. <laughs> I had one during actually. I think I had a natty light at mile like 
22. Okay, good on you. The uh, the guys in Maniunk were out partying and serving beers to runners, and it was like a Dixie cup size, but yeah, yeah, a little mid race beer, mid race beer. Were other people actually going for them? Uh, I ran with one of my buddies, and he oh, had boy. one, and there, there was definitely people grabbing them. All right, cool. I like that. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. What are you enjoying this evening? Uh, I've got a collaboration beer that I'm a little bit excited to try. Uh, it's from Double Nickel, but it's in collaboration with Source Farmer, Farmhouse Brewery, Urban Village, Cape May, and Tonewood. So a bunch of the big Jersey craft beers. Uh, it's called Friendsgiving. It's a hazy. It's 7%. And let's see, it's Idaho 7, Azaka, and Citra Hops. Cool can art as double nickel usually usually has. Nice. And it's just what you'd expect. It's good. It's a 2022 charity beer they did. Uh, all proceeds going to charity, so good on them. Word. Yeah, I like double nickel. Yeah, Pensacola, New Jersey. Pete, what do you got? Um. So we were graced. Uh, yesterday with um, a 24-pack of mixed beers from Human Robot. Oh. Our buddy who is a brewer there came and hung out and um, yeah, hooked us up with like a shitload of beers and I'm drinking the Hallertau Pils, German-style Pilsner, which I had on tap there a few weeks ago. And it's fantastic. Yeah, that's a that's a great gift. Yeah, Dylan's a good guy. He's uh, our friend Jenny's boyfriend, and uh, you know he joined our crew in doing that, and he's just a really awesome, friendly dude. Shout out Dylan. Shout out Human Robot. Yeah, you know, I for sure. I do that a bunch on here, but can't really speak highly enough about him and and what they do as a brewery. Yep. Nice. I drank a couple of those this afternoon. Are they open on Tuesdays? I'm not sure. Well, they are. Maybe we'll end up there on uh, our trip on Tuesday. I got a uh, Drecker Brewing Company out of Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, one of my favorite breweries of late. This is uh, Synaptic Cleft Double IPA. Really awesome can art as always. Really like um, loud colors, cool uh, like skeleton Grim Reaper with an upside down cross on his on his head. Pretty dope. Tons of hops, and then it's uh, malted with wheat and oat, so it's probably going to be very soft and pillowy. Oh yeah, good stuff as always. They never let me down. And Drecker is like one of those, they do two styles, like just supremely good. And they do their IPAs and their sours are off the hook. All right. What's everybody been uh, watching, getting into? Jeff, did you crack um, into that stack yet? Not here. Pete, what you got? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm eating Jeff's food. Jeff's dinner. 
We'll swing back to you. Pete, what'd you have? Yeah, come back to me. Um, so I watched the first episode. I know Vinny had said he started watching it. I watched the first episode of the Midnight Society. Right? Is that what uh, it's Midnight Club. Midnight Club. Um, which was good. I was kind of like doing some stuff at the time when I was watching it, so I wasn't like fully, but I enjoyed it. I might rewatch like the second half of it before I watch the second episode. It um, really uh, gears up. I mean, Flanagan, like we always talk about him, but oh yeah, he's just elite, and yeah, you can see his signatures like all, all over the episodes, and it's just very different. Is it such heavy? heavy material going on like outside of the horror stuff uh, right. but the way they work the anthology piece in is is pretty cool um and then the other thing that i watched just the first episode of was wednesday the adam's family spinoff on netflix and i thought it was pretty good i think that i mean it's like it's geared towards um it's tv 14 so it's geared towards like young adults and into you know whoever else wants to watch it um so i thought i thought it so far just what having watched the first episode i think i like where they're going with it it's kind of like gonna be like a mystery style like she's gonna kind of try and figure out something that's going on in the town where the school that she's going is um the only thing and this has kind of always been something that has bothered me about the wednesday character and it's not the show but it's like as soon as now the show has started people are just like talking about oh like jenna ortega is so hot and all this stuff i'm like she looks like she's 12 and it's kind of always bothered me how like that character who's supposed to be like a young girl is like sexualized in society yeah that's that's very true it's kind of messed up but but when, we're, when, when, when we were kids though yeah, yeah. I mean, when we level. were kids because we're because because Christina Ricci is older than us. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that makes more sense. But but yeah, isn't Jenna Ortega like nineteen? She's like yeah, she's like nineteen or twenty. Um, and she and and to her credit, I mean, she's a great actress, and she she's like a young and upcoming scream queen. I mean, she's she's in Scream. She's gonna be in the Scream sequel. She was in um, X. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so she's like, you know, she's with it, and and she was also oh she was also in um, uh, the Foo Fighters, uh, Six Studio Six Six Six. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. she had a quick um, cameo in that. So yeah, I mean, she's. I mean, I think she's awesome. It's more just like I think it's weird. I mean, I, th- I, I, I guess it's also like a thing now. Like I'm in my thirties, and it's like, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Don't need to get into People it. People our age to be commenting on it is weird. Yeah. But anyway, the show's good. Check it out. Yeah, um, it's on my list. There's there's a lot of shows going on right now. Yeah, I think I'm I'm behind on some stuff, but I'm I'm preparing to hopefully catch up on it. So those are just the two quick things that I started. I'm going to start. Uh, there's a there's a guy at work that keeps telling me to watch it and. I heard it on another horror podcast, uh, that 1899 on Netflix. I did hear that. Actually, a coworker told me that. Yeah. The premise is like right up my alley with the whole, you know, there's a ship and they hear a distress signal and they're going to check it out. And there's the, the other ship that they that's in distress is all abandoned and there's only one passenger. 
But uh, I guess it gets very, very trippy, um, Lovecraftian, weird. So we'll see. But people are talking about it. And it sounds like it's my wheelhouse, so I'm going to watch that. Sweet. I'll be able to watch more stuff when I stop binging Peaky Blinders. I can't stop watching that fucking show. Oh, yeah, I need to finish it. I didn't. Well, I haven't watched the last season yet. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on five. So good. I, I need to get back into that show, too, because I really liked it. But G and I were at, like, different points. And we're like, oh, we'll watch it together. And then you just kind of, like, fall out and never do it. Pete, I'll try to remember to talk to you about it when we go off air. But I had a similar reaction and experience to a part that I called you in during uh, Boardwalk Empire. I oh, yeah. completely freaked out. Uh, and Seth doesn't watch the show, so she just had to witness me yelling at the TV. Um, but anyway. Uh, I was going to shout out a couple of graphic novels that I just finished that are in the horror subgenre. Uh, and actually, I just realized tonight, I don't know how I didn't catch it before, same author. Um, but different, different uh, comic publishers. One was DC and the other was Vault. Uh, so one was called the Department of Truth, and the first volume is very much just like an introduction, a long introduction to what it's going to be. But it's uh, so there's a, a shadow department of the government that handles keeping conspiracy theories as conspiracy theories, because the premise is if something is talked about as a truth in the community and population it becomes a truth. So there's this department that has to keep keep people from believing conspiracy theories or uh, you know, making them become true. It's, it, it's hard to tell where it's going to go in the first volume, but it was the artwork was super cool and they dive into like a lot of the mainstream conspiracy theories in the first one. So I'm excited to see where that goes. There's like four volumes total. Uh, the second one I liked even more it's called the nice house on the lake and it is a dark trippy story like these people uh get invited to like a beautiful lake house that like mansion that has everything you would need um for a vacation they get invited by their friend and it's like a group of all of his friends throughout life so his high school friends his college friends uh, and then he calls them his New York friends, and but it's like it's essentially his like adult work friends, and they're all in this house for what they think is vacation, and then like day two being there, they realize the world around them essentially ends like in a violent, horrific way, and they're the only survivors, and they were brought there to be the survivors, and like live out their lives at this lake house unaffected by everything else that's going on in the world. And they're trying to figure out why they were chosen. And it gets into like aliens. It's, it's wild. Um, it's brand new. The volume two isn't even out yet. It comes out March. I loved it. It was crazy read. You got a uh, graphic novel store or a comic store you usually go to or? Uh, yeah, it's a little store called amazon.com. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I have purchased a uh, a pretty comic or two from them. Yeah, it it sucks. There's like no good comic stores anymore. 
I discovered when I moved out here to Pottstown, I discovered one there that was like less than 10 minutes down the road, but it's like very much centered around kids and mainstream Marvel. Uh, they don't have any like, you know, different stuff. Yeah, bring your uh, bring your credit card on Tuesday. Maybe we could stop by Fat Jack's. That's a pretty good spot that I like to go to. Okay. Yes, I do want to get. Uh, yeah, there's a few other ones on my list I want to get. Jeff, still dining. I am done. How's that Thank stack you treating you? Much? You've been you've been oh my god you've been buying, sir. I've been jealous. I know. I just keep buying more. I suck. I just had to take advantage of the Criterion and Arrow 50% off sale just because, like, I was like, oh, I already bought some Criterion stuff, but now I want more. Um, you might have to go to a meeting. Basically, I know. I watched Jeff, finally, which is great. Uh, four stars on out of five, okay. if I may say. Um, but that's it. I haven't <laughs> made a dent yet. Even in the previous stack? No, it it was brought to my attention that I have another copy of Wild Zero that was recently unearthed. (laughs) Yeah, it was just kind of sitting in a box apparently with a note on it that said, you got to watch this, it's crazy. And it was Wild Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You just gotta buy a bunch of food and weed and just lock yourself in. I think that's the winter plan. Like yeah. after Christmas, like I'm just gonna be a hermit. I think. But I also picked up um, uh, Bloodstick Psychosis, which is a movie that uh, a mutual friend named Bruce Longo uh, made. He's a, he's a Lancaster guy. He's a, he's a Philly guy. He just relocated to Lancaster. But, um, I picked that up at the old Q-Mart mom and pop store. So, looking forward to watching that. It's like a 90s straight to VHS filmed on camcorder kind of thing. So, it'll be fun. You're going to love the uh, special features on that Blood Rage disc. Yeah, I'm pretty hype. I uh, I only bought it because I was always watching it via uh, Shutter and the Joe Bob episode, but they took it down. So I was like, "What the hell? Might as well buy it, fifty percent off." Oh, you haven't seen it before? No, I've seen it. Okay, well, yeah, I usually so watch it with the commentary. The commentary was so good. I'll have to. Did they play that one of the nights of Camp Blood? They did. I thought so. Well, that's it. I don't remember. I don't remember if we stayed up for that or not, but I do remember them playing it. Uh, quick little music topic, uh, social media related, which isn't usually our thing, I don't think, but it's been uh, getting a lot of talk. Uh, last couple of days, Spotify has a thing going around where it uh, uses an algorithm to. Look at the music you recently listened to and long-term listened to and puts together a massive like three-day festival based on your listening and it's pretty hilarious how it all comes together accurate uh but the mix is just 
pretty funny and I already said I would throw like for my personal one I would throw my life savings at going to this festival Pete you were saying yours was pretty pretty good yeah are we good are we going over them well not the whole thing I was just gonna say my headliners and co-headliners yeah go for it alright so day one I have Cancer Slug headlining Oh, with oh, damn it, next screen close. <laughs> with the co-headliners of Rock Bottom, uh, System of a Down, and Chevelle. Mm. Weird. Didn't know you were a big Chevelle fan. I do like Chevelle. I do. Got to say, day two is fire. I got Coheed headlining with Black Dahlia, CKY, and Despise Icon co-headlining. <laughs> Wow. Uh, day three, I got Allison Chains headlining with damn, my screen. Uh, Cannibal Corpse, Rose Funeral, and Blink One Eighty Two. That's an interesting lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mine. Um... Are you guys looking at six months or four weeks? I did six months. Oh, I didn't have it. Did it give me a choice? Yeah, it's uh, four weeks, six months, all time. Six um, months seems like Mine's different. four weeks. I can't imagine six months would be that different. Mine's not. Mine's not changing. Oh, four. because because my four weeks and six months is literally the same. <laughs> um. And all time, it's literally the same bands, just like kind of switched on. That's different days. order. Yes, that's mine. My all time switched. Um, I had WWE headlining for one of the days. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, what I got here, I, I'm going, this is my sixth. I'll, I'll go with. So, uh, first day, headliner, Coheed, support from the Wonder Years, Menzingers. Rock Bottom, Black Sabbath, Turbo Negro, and Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, second day, headliner Taylor Swift, uh, The Bomb Pops, Against Me, Salem, Blink-182, and Iron Sheik. And the third day, headliner Alkaline Trio, support from AFI, Spirit Box, Ale Storm, and Every Time I Die. Nice. Yeah, so my first day, I got Every Time I Die headlining support from Death Cab for Cutie, Choir Boy, and Tiger's Jaw. That'd be a good day for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you, you, can, you can chill out and then <laughs> yeah. go nuts. Uh, AFI's headlining day two with Bayside, Rock Bottom, and Orville Peck supporting. That'd be fun. And Alkaline Trio's uh, day three with Cave In, Power Trip, and Boys Night Out. You got a, uh-huh, a couple yeah. of reunions, a couple of reunions in there. Yeah. Rock Bottom made all three of our uh, our festivals. Yep. Jeff, did you do one? No, I don't even know how you did that. So. Nah, I'll show you later. It's fun to look at. All right, should we get into our uh, tonight's subject matter here? We got a war games. Indoor war games. 
oh, mm-hmm. war war games. So we are doing the <laughs> top ten. Uh, what were we calling it? Post uh, gunpowder. Yeah. Post gunpowder war movies, yeah. modern war movies, and then we'll do a separate episode that uh, Pete titled. What was it again, Pete? It was good. Um, arrows, axes, and swords. Oh my. Yeah. So that'll be coming. I'll be coming in the future. But uh, today we're going with guns and muskets. All right. Bayonets. So it's and bayonets. So it's top ten. So that'll be the the usual order: quantity over quality. Getting the bottom two. Uh, Pete still holds the money in the bank, so kind of the loser of trivia gets no real benefit. And then, if you choose, you can get the number one overall pick as your perk based on trivia. Yes. Are, are we ready for? You got some trivia fired up. I do. You're going movie right. trivia or just straight up like military history? No, I'm keeping it movie. <laughs> no, no, maybe I'll swing one in there if I need to. Um, in the movie Apocalypse Now, what is Dennis Hopper's character's name? Uh, I can't remember his name. I won't be able to get that one. I'll give you a hint. It's his occupation. Lieutenant? Yeah. Like, that's it? He doesn't go... Wait, who did you say? Dennis Hopper. Oh. Uh, Captain? Kurt? No. Photojournalist. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's not in the army. Uh, He's on Marlon Brando's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. God, this is going to be a doozy of a list if you guys don't know simple ones like that. That wasn't that simple. <laughs> that's, that's obscure. All right. Um, this one actually is simple. In Saving Private Ryan, why were they trying to save Private Ryan? Because all three brothers were already killed. Who was that? I don't even know who that was. Who said that? Definitely Pete. Was it Pete? All right. Peter, your your choice. I'll take the four. I'll take the quantity. Uh, what did I say that was? Hold on. Sorry. Six and three. All right. Let me try and throw another super easy one out there. Um, sorry, I only had two that I really thought of, and I thought you guys would get the Dennis Hopper one. <coughs> okay. Um, in Full Metal Jacket. What is the war they go to? Vietnam. Vietnam. Okay. That's funny. Vietnam. What do you want there, Vinny? Uh, well, I mean, 
I think we're gonna agree. I'll just go number number one. Whatever. I'll take the one. Yeah. One, four, and seven for you. Good on you. That leaves you, Sean. Yeah. You're gonna have to answer this trivia question, or I'm kicking you off the show. Oh, high stakes. <laughs> yeah. Why does he need to answer trivia? Why? I'm on a roll here. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. I need to decide what my first pick is. I don't know, man. Every time I get you with like a a one I'm really proud of, nobody ever knows the answer. That was a tough one. I don't know the last time I watched Apocalypse. Wait, so what was his name? His name is Photojournalist. He doesn't have a name in the movie. It's just Photojournalist. Well, you should have said what was he credited as. It did. Well, not like that. I sold it, no, but... Zero zero percent chance of getting that. (laughs) He was credited as photojournalist. That'd be a weird name. I guess that's not on anyone's list, huh? Because you didn't watch it? No, it could be on the list. Oh, it's on the list. But, uh, I did a paper in high school on that movie. Really? The Redux, way too long. Uh, too great. much. Too much. That whole, like, like, four and a half hours. The yeah. whole Playboy bunny thing, oh, it's just such a waste of film. <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the famous line is cliche at this point, but that Robert Duvall performance. It's brief, but it is so good. Yeah, I mean, Robert, well, Robert you has thought... he ever done anything bad? Nope. You thought about De Niro? De Niro? Yeah, De Niro, when he says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's not De Niro, that's Robert Duvall. I thought it was De Niro. No, no it's du- that'd be cool, it's Duvall. Though. Well, De Niro is the one that like is all about surfing and shit, right? No, that's Duvall. Is it? Have you seen the movie? Yeah, De Niro's <laughs> definitely in it. No, he's not. What? No. What the hell am I thinking? About I have no taxi driver. But <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm thinking about taxi driver. Too short. Very short. positive. What is Duval? I don't know what the hell I'm on. Yeah, he's like, he's, okay. I don't know why in my head it's De Niro, but you're right, it is the ball. I mean, it'd be cool to re-shoot that scene with De Niro. (laughs) De Niro was in Deer Hunter. Yeah, maybe I'm mixing stuff up, yeah. There's Hopper's in that, too, isn't it? Yeah, walking. Damn, I'm all messed up. (laughs) Yeah, that one's walking. Yeah. I'm all disjointed with your war movies. There's honestly too many to put on this list, so 10 is going to be tough. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, all right, Pete has given me this pick. And at number 10, from 2001, Enemy at the Gates. Ah, interesting. I didn't even think well, of this a good, um, It's not like, you know, it's not, it's not a top fiver. But I, I actually watched it for the first time for this list, and um, I really enjoyed it because it's got 
it, it focuses specifically on one thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a, basically a long cat and mouse game, which I really enjoy in the in the in this scenario. I'm not really sure if this is based on a true story. I kind of feel like it is, but you have um, um, Russian soldier played by uh, Jude Law who uh, is trained basically and it, and it kind of gives it so it's um, it focuses on like the um, Russians in World War two um, which it, it there's just so much like they were so under armed like that like there's literally a scene where like they can only hand out one gun for every two people and so they're like you know if the person and you run behind the guy like kind of just like squatted down and then if that guy gets shot you pick up the gun that's literally what they tell them to do yeah and just like so messed up battle of stalingrad um, uh yeah and they um so it's the movie starts with Jude Law being trained um to like shoot a wolf by his uh his uncle and uh when he's really young and then um find themselves in the scenario in stalingrad where the Germans have basically like destroyed the city and killed all the Russians. And, um, he, uh, he's laying down and the guy played by, um, shit, what's his name? It's one of the fines brothers, but it's not the, it's a uh, Joseph fines. And, um, he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't have his glasses are broken. He can't really see. And so, and there's like, they see these German officers and, uh, they Jude Law's like smites him <laughs> all like all while uh um yeah it's a, like he waits he waits for an explosion and he snipes him each one at a time sniper v becomes, like sniper v sniper movie yeah 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 he gets so he gets like uh pray all this praise and his picture gets put in the newspaper and then Betty becomes a target from for the Germans and it, so it's basically him versus um Ed Harris who plays the German sniper. Um, so yeah, it's a fun back and forth cat and mouse, uh, kind of movie and, uh, shows a unique viewpoint you know, it's, there's, it's not, it's not Americans, you know, it's Russians at war with the, with the Germans. Um, so Vinny, you like this movie, right? Yeah, this, this is a good one. Um, and I, I, I love, uh, sniper stuff too. Yeah. Um, but the the whole cat and mouse thing and the way it ends was pretty intense too. Mm-hmm. The only uh and then uh Ed Harris. Like love Ed Harris. Also I didn't realize yeah. that Ron Perlman was it in this. Is this a must be a really small role, right? Yeah, he's he's like the he's like the, the other sniper that shoots with Jude Law and it's like a really dramatic like um the German has knows exactly where they are and they have to hop across this, um, like a blown out ledge to another ledge that's exposed at like the wall is exposed to the outside when they have to jump. So there's like this whole thing. And then, and he jumps and okay. he's shot and, and two balls splatter with his blood. And it's like a whole thing. Yeah. Very good um, stuff. Uh, the only negative points this gets for me, Jude Law is a hate the face. 
don't like that guy. Hmm. I think it's because of that movie Closer. Yeah, it's a difficult movie. That movie messed me up. Remember I watched it and uh, we lived together in college? Yeah. That had me in the dumps for like three days. Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> All right, good way to kick um, off the list. Sean, what do you think of this one? I'm honestly not sure if I've watched this movie before. It sounds familiar what you guys are saying, but if I did watch it, it wasn't anytime recently. All right, we're, we're, I, I, I honestly, it's funny because I can. There's a, there's another Jude Law movie I was considering putting on this, but I don't want to make Vinny too upset. <laughs> um, even though I'm not sure if he'll like my next pick, but this one's going back in time to the early days. Oh, of gunpowder. Yes, not something. Oh, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, number nine. Heat again with Last of the Mohicans. Ah. From 1992. Well, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were putting something else far too low. Oh, no. Um, so this movie focused on the French and Indian War. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis playing uh, Hawkeye, otherwise known as Nathaniel Hawthorne, I believe. Or Nathaniel something um and so it focuses on um he and the um other some other uh, native american drivers he's an american who is or a, a white <laughs> yeah a white american who's saved by native americans and raised by them and uh they're predicting the daughters of some british colonels and one of them gets kidnapped and they have to go get her and um epic epic soundtrack score to this movie like really like pumps you up kind of soundtrack um and some really cool uh dialogue between the um other native americans i love um uh the one actor um his name Wes Studi, who plays uh, Magua, and he's the guy with the mohawk. And his whole thing is uh, reason why he wants to kidnap the daughters is because uh, uh, the colonel, uh, who he calls Gray Hair, killed his family, and so he has this whole thing that he's like, Gray Hair, I will kill your daughters in front of you, and then I will kill you, eliminating your seed from the world forever. Uh, I'm just like, I don't know. Harsh. Cool, epic shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of cool, like, running through the woods. Cool, like, you know, this, this is the kind of thing you're like, how is anything accurate? Like, you look at, like, how long the rifles are. They have, like, the Kentucky long rifles. Um, and they're just shooting hot lead bullets. With, um, I don't know. It's a fun movie. I know we talked about it before, I think, on one of the the year ranking lists. Um, um, maybe not what you would have expected, but I thought I'd pop it in at the bottom of the list since I could. Yeah, I, I respect that, especially with how we're trying to represent uh, different wars here. The, this movie, I mean, I, I know it's widely uh, loved and respected. It just doesn't doesn't grab me. It's not my bag. 
But I probably Strong. should give it a rewatch because I don't remember. I couldn't even tell you yeah, last you time should, I watched you it. Should. It's, it's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, this is classic. Uh, I actually, I'm not surprised to see you put it at the bottom of the list, Pete. I figured it would make your list, but I'm also totally shooting from the hip here with my picks because I have a long list and yeah, I don't, I don't. There's a lot of these I don't want to put too low, and kind of to like Vin, the point that Vinny's okay. made on previous episodes. There's movies that I would rather not make the list and put too low sometimes so yeah nah, that's, this is classic daniel day lewis uh yeah good film all right does that leave sean oh yeah sean is up uh we're uh, going back to 2000 dark horse himself uh black hawk down solid movie yep uh, I don't know if this. I don't know if you guys were putting this on your list or had it higher or lower, but I would have expected it a spot or two higher. But again, there's I just, so I, many movies that I did. I love this movie. I mean, well, yeah, I Go do. Ahead, I, okay. But I just didn't put it on my list like very narrowly because it's almost a bit too procedural. I mean, it, like, yeah. this, I, like this is a war movie. There's nothing else going on other than war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a brutal uh, take on it, I think. Uh, you know, really shines a kind of a shaky light on the U.S. interfering in foreign countries' affairs. Um, and, you know, the way the uh, captains and people that aren't really seeing, like, the actual fighting, how they get involved and send soldiers to, uh, I don't know, in a lot of cases in this movie, to their death, but... Yeah, it's also, uh, like, there's that multiple, um, like, they've, there's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's there's Army Rangers and also Marines. And, Del- Army, and, Rangers and Army Rangers, uh, Marines, Army Rangers, Delta. And yeah, so, like, yeah, they're all, like, it's like, they, no one knows who to, like, look, who, like, who's working for who kind of thing. And, like, and there's... This, this movie took place in the early 90s, so, you know, they're fighting against... Uh, trying to use like GPS signals that are shoddy and uh, struggling to give people directions because they don't know how to get to where the you know the helicopter goes down. Um, yeah, I think this is a good one at eight. This movie has a great cast. Uh, Ridley Scott film. Everyone's in this fucking movie, dude, there's, and, there's and it's awesome. Like, this movie. so you got Josh Hartnett, you got Ewan McGregor, you got Tom Sizemore, and I. This is a, one of my favorite Tom Sizemore. He's 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 basically just doing the Tom Sizemore, but love it in this. Dude, when he when he, I love the scene where the driver the the windshield gets shot and glass gets in his eyes and he's like keep driving and he grabs the windshield and then he gets shot in the neck and he's like god damn it yeah he's like <laughs> there's like just chaos around him and he's just like casually uh you know on on the uh, radio he's like where's my HVAC I'm like dude like this. Shit, like, bullets flying by his head, and he's just talking on the radio. And he's just, like, lighting a cigarette while, like, yeah. yeah. You got Eric Banner. Uh, he's pretty badass. Uh, I think he's the Delta guy in this. Yeah, he's, like, the reconnaissance guy. Yeah. and He shoots the yeah. pig in the beginning of the film and cooks it for everybody. Yeah. You got Sam, Sam Shepard as the, the weathered commander calling yeah. all the shots. Kim Coates in this. Is great. 
Um, I love getting coats and everything. Yeah, he's great in this, and I really hate the way he goes out. Uh, you know who else is in this? Is Jamie Lannister's in this? Yeah, yeah, Nicol- he is. Nikolai Coster Waldo. Yep. Uh, and then and also, Jason Isaacs is awesome in this. Because mm-hmm. I've I've always yeah, hated him from another movie that we're hopefully going to talk about, but in this, uh, he was also a prick. But at least he was on our side. Yeah, one of the things about this movie, I mean, not to get like too much into like the politics of war, but like this gives you gave you a lot of insight on. So like, when you think about like all the you know the wars that we got into, and, and so like the war in Europe in World War Two, World War One, these we were like more or less fighting on like terrain similar to the country where we're training, right? But then like. Vietnam, obviously, like, they're in a fucking jungle, and, like, that's, like, tropical jungle. That was, like, a whole thing that you couldn't train them for, even though they, you know, a lot of the camps for that were down in, like, Georgia and stuff. It was hot, but it wasn't, like, a jungle. You weren't in thick bush. And then in this, the desert. you're in a de- desert, but you're not only just in a desert, you're in, like, a desert town where, like, people could be hiding anywhere. And this is kind of, like, you know, early training for what you know what we're still stuck in to this day in the <coughs> but like um yeah just, it, but this was like that first sight into that kind of you know just like and just and also just like people just like care like didn't care just like and the child soldiers and like yeah. just run to the streets with like two fucking ak's just like yep um, oh, the, the one kid accidentally kills his dad yeah uh, yeah at one point like it's a fucked up reality that ends up persisting for the next like twenty years in the Middle East. Like, I don't know this, that this was this actually... was North Africa, right? Was this Syria, Sudan, or... uh, Somalia? Somalia, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this was per- a part of any particular war, just more of that uh, desert storm kind of. It was um, getting involved in countries we we necessarily peace, didn't... peacekeeping. Yeah, yeah, it was also yeah. getting involved in a in a basically in a, against a warlord trying. Because they were, they were killing. They were. It was mass genocide, and they weren't. They were taking the shipments of, um, of that that um, whatever you call it, not NATO, but the, the UN. UN. The UN was yeah. like shipping food, but then like the warlords were taking the food and like chart and like you know, the uh, choosing who got it and who didn't. I closed out IMDb, but uh, the number two for the Somalians. Like he wasn't like the top dog, yeah. but he, like um, he much later on in his career, he, he's big time now. He's in a yeah. lot of stuff, uh-huh. uh, and this he was just you know kind of playing like a almost like a Somalian extra. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right, I am not shooting from the hip. I'm being overly strategic. Wait, Vinny, you're still here, right? Yeah. Okay. My phone just says Sean and Jeff. So I'm yeah. confused. Um, I'm going to play this too low just because I want to see how things shake out. We're already at it has to make the list territory. All right. Uh, Vinny's pick is now in. And he's going to 
Vinny Staple here. Mel Gibson. Uh, number seven is The Patriot. Mm-hmm. From the year 2000. I this... thought about putting it in. I love this movie. I mean, th- on my personal list, this is number three. This movie... Um, you obviously have war, but all the stuff that's going on outside of the battle and strategy is so edge of your seat and you get so invested in all the characters, not just Mel Gibson, not even just his sons, like all of the characters you become really invested in. Uh, it's really well directed and written in that way. Um, it's not historically accurate whatsoever, but like it feels like you're really in it as far as the set pieces and costumes and uh, design the battles are brutal and you it, it, it's you get that sense of uh you know the the horrors of war and how brutal they are but like different than we're used to with, with seeing like modern world war ii movies and vietnam movies it's just it's great and the way they uh that, that he builds the british into being the ultimate uh villains especially isaacs i mean I I saw this really young and fell in love with it and I hated Isaacs as a person the same way I hated uh Walking Phoenix. Yes, Walking Phoenix. Like, I mean, as a young child hated Walking Phoenix and Isaacs because of those two movies, Gladiator and The Patriot. Great stuff. Um Yeah, I mean the, there's almost I mean I, we can just do a whole episode on this movie if we wanted to but um, like the whole thing first of all R.I.P. Heath Ledger yep. um, but yeah like the whole thing like literally like his entire family dies except for the he dog lose, right? and, and like he slowly loses everything yeah um, I mean this is 2001 but I'm so like it's almost almost like this is 2001 like people might not have seen it that are if we have like a little bit younger listeners but it is it is good to see like well that's not good to see but it, it draws out all the like the anguish of war it's it's hard to describe without yeah, and, and early and and also like early guerrilla strategy yeah um against a very regimented british army that you know just you know, the, the, they were the British Empire for a reason. Is because they went in and they did what they did, and no one could face them. But because no one, you know, no one did what what they what um, Gibson's character in this Benjamin, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, he he has them fighting. You know, fighting from the because that's what you got to do when you're outnumbered. You know, um, there's so much talk, and, but like, it's so much different than what we're used to. Because there's like all this talk of the rules of war. Like, right. you're, not being, no... you're not being a gentleman and you're not following the rules of war. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're at war here. I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't um... know how historically accurate this movie is, but it does do a good job of depicting the colonists, I think, uh, yeah. from the States and that they had to, to get a little, uh, you know, ungentlemanly to win the war. I love that he... Um... 
goes into battle with the Warhammer, the Native American Warhammer. Yep. With the spike on one side. I want a replica of that thing. I'm um, a father. I don't have the luxury of principles. Yeah. I mean, peak. this is the peak of uh, Mel Gibson's is, uh, pre-directing career. Yeah. Although he directed uh, Braveheart, but... He didn't, he didn't direct this too, did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there's so much, like, devastation in this uh, with the, the losses that people have. You know, the, the church, oh, yeah, scene, the church they... scene is awful. Can you imagine just, like, like you're, like, oh, the British come through your town, they just burn your town to the ground? Like, back when that could happen? Well, and kill everybody you know. Yeah. Well, but they put everybody in the church before they burned it, which that was not gentlemanlike and against the rules of war. And yeah, they kept coming down on the Isaacs for being too brutal. Um. You have but to when the in this movie too, Isaacs. How what? How good is? Uh, oh, he's great. He's, he's fucking, great. You just fucking hate him so bad. Yeah, I mean, he but he just soaks up every scene that he's in, and you're just you're glued to him on the screen. And he just makes you hate them because he just acts it so well. Um, yeah, love it. A little low, but I just, wanted, I just wanted to make sure it made it on. Glad I didn't put it at eight and it got to uh, go a place higher. All right. Does that bring us back to Pete? It does. I'm trying to decide... Between two movies, and I think I'm going to go with this one. Probably also low in my opinion. But we're going to the Jungle Boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Japanese or yeah. Vietnam? It's a, it's a doozy apocalypse now okay I mean this movie first of all like th this movie came out like five years after the Vietnam War ended so like <clears throat> oh, probably that's... a little I didn't even think about that yeah that's true probably a little like frowned upon maybe at the time I don't know I don't know what like the people were doing the... the 70s version of hashtag too soon Right. Um, but it's also a it's a dramatization of a, a book but put into Vietnam. So it's based on um, fuck. It's based on the book about going down the river in Congo. Um, uh, into darkness, something like that. Edge of darkness, something like that. Um, and so Colonel Kurtz, uh, played by Marlon Brando, Heart of Darkness is the book, um, that the movie is based on. Uh, even though that's a, it's like a, not doesn't take place in Vietnam, but 
um, in the height of the war, um, basically there's a rescue mission, reconnaissance, whatever, going to find Colonel Kurtz. Um, you got Martin Sheen, uh, as part of the gunner boat crew that's going up the river to find them. Basically Kurtz is like joined himself into this tribe that like views him as a god. Yeah, he's and, gone like AWOL. And he's gone total ape shit. And like you don't know like if he's I think the assumption is that he's probably like on L S D or you know, whatever, because drugs were rampant in um opium. In uh in Vietnam. Um Lawrence Fishburne is in this movie. Yeah. Uh a very young Harrison Ford. Um even Robert though this was actually this was post uh <laughs> this was post uh Star Wars, but um he he look he's a lot different looking. But um Um I don't know. If you haven't seen this movie, it, it's just a movie that you have to t- turn on. Basically Martin Sheen is like he's on leave and all he can think about is war. And like so like this opening scene and apparently the the, the lore behind it is that he just got like blind drunk and like and let them film him just like freaking out and he punches the mirror and apparently he really punched the mirror and broke his hand and got us cut fucked up his hand and it's just like this movie is like 99 percent not 99 percent but a lot of the best part of this movie is the narration because it's narrated by martin sheen and then also like him talking about like the shit and like how they're like you know, the the Vietnam is like this <clears> war is the worst place on earth, and it's just like very you know, reminiscent pla- of his son's war movie. Yeah, right? yeah. And they're you know they're traveling up this river, and uh, they're basically in enemy territory the whole time, and um, the whole it's all just a um, really part of the reason why they they want to retrieve Colonel Kurtz is because the army's worried that he's and that he's a liability. Um, and, um, honestly, the, it's 99, a lot of it is just how they get there. Like we were talking earlier, there's, there's, um, the epic speech, Robert Duvall is in this movie for about five minutes and it's just, uh, but when, when he gives the speech about, um, uh, napalm, what it was like seeing the burnt bodies, but they didn't smell like burnt bodies. All you could smell was the gasoline and napalm and it smelled like victory um and then and then goes into talking about how it's like the best surfing water in the world but like they just have to be careful of the bombs and like they show the guy like surfing and then like an explosion goes off and he has to jump off a surfboard like, <laughs> um so yeah i don't know it's kind of a difficult movie to describe i'm assuming everyone here has seen it and it's just like a movie that i think everyone should see it's like cinematically beautiful and well written, well narrated, um, just crazy uh, Marlon Brando quotes. Uh, I watched a snail crawl across the edge of a straight razor and survive. Kind of like crazy rants and um, yeah, just like crazy all time. It's an epic, not uh, just not just war movie. But. Yeah, it's um, it's probably it it isn't my favorite on this list, but it's a you know cinema uh, movie fans 
have to see this movie. And it's almost like a cultural thing, too. Like, you have to see this movie. It's mm -hmm. important and so well done. Love it. But I don't recommend the Redux. That's too much. Too much. Too much, man. You took too much. Too, too long or what? <laughs> Bitch, yeah, it's like four, four and a half, half hours. hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I was struggling. It's, a, it's actually the first version I saw. Oh, really? And I remember I, I was like home from school, like sick home from school, and my dad had the DVD. And uh, I just remember putting it on. And the next thing I knew, it was dinner time. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did a high school paper, um, uh, about like the history of the movie and 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 Vietnam, but also like sort of the Redux versus original um, version. And the Redux, I I swear I smoked like a whole eighth during it. <laughs> that shit was long. <laughs> All right, on to number six, which is Sean. But before that, yeah, we're, we're gonna take a quick intermission. And we're back. And we're coming in with the number six pick, which belongs to Sean, who is doing some second guessing. After the number five pick? Five number pick. Number five pick. Number five pick. I'll be short changing, Sean. Well, the the uh, number five really made me nervous. Yeah, I got a couple texts from Sean. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're going right back to his uh, first pick. Which is from 1957, The Bridge on the River Kauai. I love this movie. All right. I was so nervous that you were going to, you know, not be into a pick from from the 50s. Uh, this is such a fantastic movie, um, which I think, like Pete was saying, with Apocalypse Now, this happened only, I don't know, 12, 13 years after World War II ended. Um, so a lot of the people that were in this film were either involved in the war or, you know, were related to people that were involved in the war. And I think that blends an authenticity to it that you don't get in a lot of films. But anyway, the movie follows a uh, group of British POWs that are um, that are captured by a Japanese troop and are forced into work trying to build a bridge to help the Japanese uh, army and the story follows Sir Alec Guinness as the captain of as his, of his POWs and um, he he refuses to help as they want to put the off the Japanese want to put the officers to work and they end up torturing Alec Guinness they murder one of his officers uh, they stick him in that metal tin shed in the sun for days without food and water um anyway he eventually gets let out and he starts helping he, he comes up with a plan to start helping the japanese and you can't really tell if he's being altruistic if he really if he has like ulterior motives he's going to sabotage the bridge because they want to sabotage the bridge um we end up finding out he's actually just helping the japanese out of like a I don't know if he's a narcissist or whatever, but he, he helps the Japanese build this bridge. And there's a separate American POW that escapes earlier in the film that comes back and ends up helping to sabotage this, this bridge. It, it all centers around the bridge that they're building. Uh, but it's it's a really, really well done film. Uh, pretty dramatic. 
but a lot of uh, a lot of great performances. Uh, the guy who plays Colonel Saito, who's the Japanese uh, officer, does just a, a, a fucking awesome job. Alec Guinness is great, and a bunch of other names that you know I don't think will mean a lot on this, but William Holden, uh, Harold Jack Goodwin, Hawkins, Harold Goodwin, yeah. Yeah, uh, awesome movie. If you don't, if you haven't watched movies from back then, it's a little bit different than movies now. A little bit longer, uh, dives a lot more into the you know character development and you know a lot a lot more narrative. Uh, yeah, I mean they didn't have the means well to, to watch to show like the battles like we see today and everything. Um, but still, I mean, still really effective, especially for this time. Um, the fighting scenes. Yeah. Really good book as well. The same guy that wrote the novel, uh, wrote the screenplay. I was, uh, I had it a little bit lower, but I was debating between this and, uh, Torah, Torah, Torah for my, like, a little bit older movie selection. Yeah, I wanted one of them to make it on. This is the one I went with. Pete, have you watched it? No, I need to see it. Yeah, get a glass of whiskey uh, and buckle up. Good stuff. So that fell in at five, huh? Oof. So I got four. I counted out. I counted out my top five picks, and this had just enough room to to make it on. So four and one, huh? I, I'm wondering if you're going to put my three now because you're worried about getting it on. I'm not sure. I, I got plenty of movies to hit if you do. All right. Again, it's probably just, it's probably too low, but I'm just worried about it making on. Classic Vinny Panic. Uh oh. Wow. Too low? Still... No, no, this is one of the many picks that Sean was running through with this. For five. Oh, okay. yeah. um, so, at number four, from 1986, Platoon. This one hits so different than other war movies. It takes place during Vietnam, which there are. You know, plenty of movies that take place during that war. Um, but this one just hits hits in a different way because it, it paints the Americans as villains in a big way in certain parts of the movie. Definitely Tom Berenger's character is a villain. Uh, Sergeant Barnes. Uh your lead is Charlie Sheen, who is, I, I've never heard anything about it or looked into it. Is, like, did he take this role as like a tip of the hat to his father? It was, it, it's very, it's very reminiscent to Martin Sheen's he's, role. But he's in, basically, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. But but yeah, I've it, never heard one way or the other. So Charlie Sheen's your lead. He narrates. And it's a very similar vein to Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. Uh, much, much different 
movies and different tone and everything. I mean, it, it's painting the Vietnam War as horrific and miserable, but it's in different ways. Um, so Charlie Sheen is a young recruit. He's like the noob in the platoon. Um, and it's one of those things like where you're not even treated as a human being when you arrive because you're the new guy and they've been in it and they have guys that have um, done like multiple tours, not just their one year commitment for being drafted, but multiple years in Vietnam. So you're, you're just treated as uh, someone that's like less than nothing and probably going to die immediately and you have to like earn your respect. But the, the thing that's different than any other war movie I've seen is in this particular platoon, there's two different factions or cliques. You have the Willem Dafoe characters group and you have the Tom Berenger uh, characters group. And they're kind of like battling and at war with each other while fighting in a war. And it's a whole different dynamic, uh, a whole different kind of like stress that you're feeling for them. And it's really gritty. It's almost shot uh, gorilla style. You feel like you're in the jungle and in the bush with these guys as the audience and you get invested with certain characters. And again, the cast is amazing. So like I already said, Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, Keith David, Forrest Whitaker, uh, Kevin Dillon, really young Kevin John Dillon. C. McGinley. John C. McGinley, who I, he might be my favorite in this because he's just so, uh, such a kiss ass to Tom Berenger and just says, Ridiculous things. I love John C. McGinley. Yeah. This is almost like an equivalent to Black Hawk Down in its casting. Like, everyone's in this movie. Yeah. Um, Johnny Depp. Really young Johnny Depp. I'm forgetting somebody. So, oh, Tony Todd. Yeah. Crazy. So, this movie is essentially based on Oliver Stone's experience in Vietnam. And I think that Charlie Sheen is more or less supposed to be Oliver Stone. Yeah, I forgot to even mention Oliver Stone directed it. Um, and we all know, I mean, Oliver Stone is always very political and statement and everything he does. Not, to, not, not only that, but like, of all movies, like, not that not that the of the movies that we are talking about like glorify war or anything, but there was wars like World War Two, where we're, like fighting against the Nazis and like they're trying to like take over the world. But like, there's no Vietnam movie that's like gives you any semblance of like that we're there for a good purpose. Yeah, um, because we weren't. Uh, we stepped our foot in shit that we shouldn't have. Um, trying to play cop and. You know, it sucks because so many people died for it. But um, so that's just like that. I'm just putting the general vibe out there of like, no Vietnam movie is a feel good movie uh, in any way, shape, or form. No, but um, other movies touch on it, but I think this one was the standout for like painting for painting us as the villains and like not just oh, yeah. for being there when we probably shouldn't have been, but like just uh, like the, what 
war does to you and what and, and what it turned these guys into um yeah being in that turned, environment turn them against each other and yeah well and, and then I even think, even um, what they were doing to the locals just like out of fear and paranoia and not knowing yeah. what's happening what's going to happen and treating the you know that that one village like that that is, that is a that might be one like the heaviest scene in a war movie um yeah when they go into that village the only thing that uh, uh, that rival, uh, rivals it is uh, Tears of the Sun, which is a whole other separate village issue mm-hmm. that they deal with. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, to, on the Vietnam subject, just because at this point I don't see this movie making the list. I mean, I could be wrong, but so like Full Metal Jacket, unlike this movie, like this movie is like a fully like dark. We're, not to say not to say that Full Metal Jacket isn't at all dark, but Full Metal Jacket's like a satire almost, like like an extremely dark comedy at times, while mm-hmm. also being a drama. Um, but yeah, they kind of also paint that like like there's a scene I remember at the end when they're like they're just like sitting and having to like hide from the enemy, but they're like amongst all these like um, body bags, um, and they're just using you know they're using all the slurs and stuff. Yeah. And um, and there's the guy who's just like unbothered by it, and then there's obviously guys like that are like hor- horrified that they're just like surrounded by dead bodies. And, yeah, nothing and, good came out of that place. I mean, this touches on like the guys that were getting drafted, and then Charlie Sheen. It's a big part because he volunteered because, and uh, I think it was, I think it was actually Tony Todd. Or no, it wasn't Tony Todd. It was Keith David that said like only rich people would even think that way. That he was like thinking like, oh, I am volunteer because it shouldn't just be the poor people that are fighting this war um but like the 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 group of men in this is like such a mix and such like a political statement of the time in its own right and like then you have kevin dillon who's a fucking serial killer psychopath that got put into a you know an american in uh war fatigues that had no place being there there's a lot of different layers to this movie, and I love it. It was it was n- number two on my list, but I just wanted to make sure I got it on here. Mm. Yeah, I probably would have put this at number two. So now I gotta uh, do a little uh, shuffle. Thinking. I gotta do a shuffle. Yeah, I love this movie. Really, really good film. Definitely a top five war film. I like the uh, when they have their night off at HQ. And that's when Charlie Sheen gets introduced to uh, his group with Willem Dafoe, and they're all smoking weed and opium. And then you have Tom Berenger's group, like just ripping Bud Reds, and you know, like the the commanding officers going around saying hello to everybody, and has no no connection with the men whatsoever. And he's like trying to fit in, and that quickly doesn't work. It's a good like lighthearted scene in between all the carnage. Guys are ready to move along. Is the pick in? The pick is in. This is Peter. Uh, we're at number three. Uh, a movie I don't think I've ever heard of. Lone Survivor. Okay. Number three, though, Pete. Yeah. This movie fucked me up. Yes. Um, and I'll have no arguments because Ben Foster's in it. 
and and I think it's important because uh, it's as modern as modern can get, pretty much. I mean, even though it took place in 2005, but it's the same war mm-hmm. that's being fought today, more or less. So this is based off of um, the true story and novel or uh, biography, I guess, uh, telling uh, book by Marcus Luttrell who is the lone survivor of this story and he's played by Mark Wahlberg and um, it's funny because I I have like two there's like two different versions of Mark Wahlberg in my head and like he he can be a great actor or he can or, or he can be like an over actor uh, uh, like I like him when he does like the comedy stuff like I think Ted he's funny um and then some movies, I think he's like a little too intense for the role. This movie, he's like perfect, but it's also because he's supported really well by other great actors. Or he can be and, in the um, happening. And um, it just like uh, this movie, I feel like gave me my first insight into something that I never knew all that much about, other than because the news doesn't cover these missions that were it's like four guys going against you know a thousand mm-hmm. and that and like it's like this un unbeatable odds and and you also like um you have this a, a lot of americans have this false idea of what afghanistan is like we all think it's just like this fucking sand pit but no there's mountains and like it's like got terrain and and so the whole thing is um, you have uh, Mark Wahlberg, Taylor Kitsch, Emil Hirsch, and Ben Foster. They're the four guys who are uh, they're Navy SEALs, um, and they're um, sent on this reconnaissance mission to, um, you know, the, the, of course the 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 plan is that you know all they want is to get information and find out if this village, they say that is at the bottom of this mountain uh, really is where this, like one of the most wanted Taliban leaders is. And um, so they get dropped off by a helicopter at the top of the mountain and they have to slowly make their way down. And as they're going, uh, you know, information is given to the Taliban that someone was just dropped off at the top of the mountain. And so they start making their way up as these four guys are making their way down. They're literally going against a small army. And um, there's just points in this movie where like these guys are like, they're shot. They're like, they have like broken bones and they have to like, and, and, and they're looking down a ridge and the, and they, and they have firefight behind them. And they just like look at each other and kind of shrug and like, all right. And they just have to jump and it's just like, and roll down and like tumble down like a mountain. Yeah. And like, there's a scene and it's Ben Foster and he's literally stopped by a rock and the thud that it makes, even though I know it's a movie, it makes you sick to your stomach. Mm-hmm. And because you know that like, this is the shit that someone's been through. Um, and there's the whole thing that like slowly over the two hours or whatever this movie is, you know, Wahlberg has to, watches three brothers die and he has to leave them behind in order to survive and also complete the mission. 
um, because what he ends up doing is he ends up getting to the village, which is um, a peaceful village where there are anti-Taliban uh, people, but um, it's 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 been overtaken and the Taliban is like chopping off arms and shit, trying to get information. And he's taken in by this guy who hides him and it's a guy and his daughter or son. I can't remember if it's a boy or girl. Um, and the guy risks his life to keep him safe and eventually smuggle him out. They get, they somehow get information to, um, a small military force that can come in and clear the Taliban out and get Mark Wahlberg out. Um, um, but, um, it's just like, it's a brutal watch. Uh, there's also an entire scene where like, because you, you see in the beginning when they're still at base camp, like there's this young up and comer promising soldier that like, you know, it's all like wants to go on the mission, but you know, they won't take him because he's not, he's too green. And then like, there's after they know that these guys are, are in a big firefight on this mountain, they send a helicopter, but it doesn't have black cock support. And literally a fucking guy comes out with an RPG and blows up the entire helicopter full of like 20 soldiers. And it's just like, it's this whole movie is like a downer, but like, it's important. I feel like it's important to watch because, you know, it's what's going on now, and you know, guerrilla warfare. It's like it's there is no like, there's no phalanx anymore. There's no, uh, you know, military order of how that you, you know, everything is just like there, there's order until you're in the shit, and then you're just fucking running for your life and and shooting, you know, um, so. It's just a crazy um, movie about something that really happened in Afghanistan, and um, Eddie, I should—I 100% recommend it. Anybody who hasn't seen this movie, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. It, it's like Pete said, very heavy. Uh, it almost hits you a little bit harder as the audience because of them being seals. You're like, oh well, they're the elite, like, but getting put in the positions that they are and like the the disadvantages like it's crazy that, that they even took out as many taliban as they oh, did yeah. with to just the point, four of them. To, to that point though they are the elite they're four dudes and they each kill like hundreds of people yeah you know because like you're you're like, their weapons are more advanced and their training's more advanced but you know it's they're not it's they're not on the home turf yeah you know and they're trying to get down the mountain and that's really where the people are coming from. So they don't know what they're getting into, but they know that they can't go back up because they're surrounded on all sides. Mm-hmm. So, um, with my yeah, bias, Foster, my ben, bias ben aside, Foster, I really, really like Ben Forrest in this. And the way he goes out is like, yeah, traumatic. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, it's he's basically like knows he's gonna die and tells him to go, and just so he can like the last five or whatever until he's shot to death yeah and yeah um i liked um emil hershness a lot too he was good yeah he's a great actor yeah good uh, stuff he doesn't do enough he doesn't do enough do more. yeah where's he been i i can't even tell you the last time I'm... Uh, i feel like i saw him in something recently but it was like kind of like a mediocre role like it was like a like he wasn't like a main character yeah All right, right. Shawnee. 
John's up again, more confident in his pick this time. Uh, more but less. <laughs> this one, this one's gonna be a lot of numbers. At number two, it's 1917 okay. from 2019. Okay. So, this wasn't really the movie I wanted to put here. I I was planning on putting Platoon. Uh, this is a great movie, we, though. We didn't put a World War One film on this list, so this movie is perfect for this. Um, this was a, a, a one-shot film, or, or supposed to be a one-shot film, that yep. followed uh, two young British soldiers that are trying to deliver a message across no man's land. Um, there's some aerial reconnaissance that shows the German military is retreating from beaches, and the British forces are, are getting set to advance. And uh, they, I forget, they get word that it's it's not really a retreat. It's actually, actually a withdrawal, and they're setting up to, like, flank these forces. And they're, they're sending these two guys to try to get word to the, the forward forces that they're about to walk into a slaughter. And it follows them crossing no man's land and through bunkers and trenches. And uh, they end up crossing... Well, I think once they get across no man's land and get through an exploding bunker, they end up, you know, at a farmhouse where they there's a plane that's shot down, and these two guys, young and naive, end up saving a a German pilot. Um, I forget what the two guys' names are. It's Schofield and and Blake. Um, uh, Schofield convinces Blake, I think, or one of them convinces the other to go get water for the German soldier and. Uh, Blake ends up getting stabbed and murdered by this German pilot that they just pulled from a burning wreckage. Uh, this movie does a really good job of highlighting how fucking terrible World War One was, and you know what these soldiers lived through because these two guys basically walk through all of it, and you follow them, you're there with them. Yeah, it's really like the camera movie. right over the shoulder the whole time. Yeah, really interesting film in that way. Uh, the plot is not probably the best. It's a loose plot, really. The one soldier's brother is in the forward uh, set of troops that they're trying to save. So, you know, they, they try to make it a little personal. But the the stuff that they do show about the war is, is well worth watching for this film. Yeah, it's like a different glimpse into war. There's not many World War One movies uh, for some reason. Or just not nearly as many as there are Vietnam and World War Two, and it really shows you how uh, awful it was, like in the trenches, and then the whole no man's land thing. Like they paint that uh, just as like a horror show that they have to cross this thing, and it's so deadly and terrifying, and they have to walk across it. And uh, I also had this on my list. For many reasons, but that final, that final, um, climatic scene, like that crazy when he's running, trying to get the message before they send the waves. Yeah, he jumped. Oh the... my god! Like that is intense. I really liked that they chose like an unknown for the main role in this. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I yeah, think he he'd done that. he he had done like a thing or two, but like. He was more or less like a fresh face. Like, I think that that's really important in certain roles. Like, 
you know, I think certain movies you need the draw, but I think this movie, the draw was the movie, not the actors. So like, I think it was perfectly like sought out and casted in that for, in that way. Um, uh, who, who ended up being the, uh, the actor? It was someone big time that he was finally delivering. The brother. Yeah. No, not, not the brother. He was like the commanding officer that he was uh, giving the order to to stop oh. the wave. Was it Sean Penn? It the... No, Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. That's what it was. Uh... Yeah, he I does... remember it was very clear because he was like like all those sol- the soldiers that were like about to be sent out were like pretty clean and everything like because they hadn't seen. They had been like held back for a while, and then this guy who's just like covered in like soot and like grime and you know grease and gunpowder, like obviously looked out of place. Yeah, he was like running through Wave One, and they were all charging, and he was trying as he was running, like trying to tell them to stop. And there's just chaos around, explosions and people yeah. dying, and then like Wave Two is about to go, and that's what he was trying to get them to stop before Wave Two went. And thousands yeah. more were killed. Uh, and they like they show when they're standing in the trenches during these fights, they're just like standing on the tops of like rotting corpses. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it just yeah, yeah, this movie is fucked. Very heavy. Really sleek though, and just really well shot and beautiful. Yeah, for that alone, this movie is is definitely worth a watch. All right, that leaves me, huh? Bring us home. All right, we know where we're going. And for... They're saying you know where we're going. It took you long enough. Well, a little gem I like to call Under Siege. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd throw my phone across the room if you did that. <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't care. You would try. <laughs> we, all, we discussed that when we thought you were pooping. <laughs> like, wait, there's no there's no movies with Steven Seagal at War, right? I could have gone Wind yeah. Towers. We talked about that last night. We actually. did. We talked about wind talkers last night. Are you ready to hear what number one is? Ready. Alright. It is Saving Private Ryan. What? Not Saving Ryan's Private? No, that's one of my favorites, though. <laughs> Wait, is this what you guys were thinking? Yes. Sean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um... This movie is a masterpiece in every way from a master genius author like Spielberg. Like this movie, Tom Hanks, which before this I would have never thought of him being still having like the Tom Hanks uh charm, but being a badass leader of a of a war squadron. Like I mean Never would have thought it. And he, Tom Hanks, nails it. 
the opening scene alone for its the for the uh, depiction of D Day would put it at number one in this list. Um, yeah, it dude carrying his arm or leg, but like, like dude, the guy laying on the beach yelling "mommy" while he's like his guts are in his hands, seared but, into my mind forever. Yeah, like, I'll never forget that. Uh, even when they were unloading off the boat and you know, like they're in the water and just the, the 50 cal bullets like hitting all around and there's just bodies floating and sinking. And the, the, what really hit me with that was, uh, I don't know when the interviews were happening, if it was like special features or just after, but like world war two vets that were there during D day were saying how accurate this movie was in that scene, which is horrifying, yeah. horrifying. Yeah. That there was like no dramatization. Like that is what happened. The the ocean literally like was washing up red with blood for like days. Yeah. Um just just unthinkable, but so well executed by Spielberg and the the intensity of it all and making the audience feel like they're there. Um and again how how horrific it was, but then when they get off the beach and it starts getting very tactical and and procedural with how they, uh, Tom Hanks group gets out of there and through the bunkers, uh, felt like a like a little victory in itself. Except for the one guy, and this is another. Like, there's so many deaths in this movie, but it always sticks with me where he catches the bullet to the helmet and takes his helmet off to look at it, uh, and the guy's yeah. like, "Oh man, that was close!" And then boom, bullet to the head, dead. Uh. So, we mentioned it in trivia. The whole premise is Matt Damon is with his squadron out in Normandy somewhere. They can't find him. They don't know where he is, but they send Tom Hanks and his group out to get him because it turns out his uh, three brothers were killed elsewhere in the war and they wanted to send him home so his mother didn't have like a total loss of all of her children. So there's a lot of like drama and um, angst within the group. Like, why are we risking our lives to save this guy? Um, and Tom Hanks like sticks, you know, sticks to the we're following orders. We like, yes, we're saving this guy, but it's what we're supposed to do. And then once they finally find Matt Damon, Private Ryan, uh, there's a little bit of bond formed i guess in a weird way but like it's still all that tension of like why are we doing this should we be risking our lives and then ultimately like i mean if you haven't seen this movie where the fuck have you been but like all of them essentially give their lives to save ryan matt damon's performance in this not good though um that's the only that's the only blemish is Matt Damon's performance? I have to say, with that, I, I, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other about Matt Damon's performance, but what I, I have to throw like, um, kudos to, is that, um, like Spielberg. I'm sure you guys know this. I'm not sure if listeners know this, but Spielberg, like specifically, <clears throat> so like all the guys who were part of the mission that had to go find him had to go through like a basic training style 
training. And Matt, and Spielberg wouldn't let Matt Damon do that. And when all the other guys had to like stay in like um, encampments or like or, or like in, in I, less than ideal scenarios, he was staying in a hotel. And they did all this stuff to, to build, build that resentment. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and to build that resentment because because you know all those guys' are opinions were like, why are we going to why are we risking our lives to save this one soldier? And, and, um, um, again, if you haven't seen the movie, it all comes down to, uh, general MacArthur and his, um, uh, when he learns that all the sons of, uh, the mother of, of private Ryan, have died. Even when he reads that letter from Lincoln, super effective. So uh, that Bigsby letter, the letter which is a similar scenario during the Civil War, um, uh, written by Abraham Lincoln to a mother who lost all her children. So that scene, which is like amazing scene, that actor who plays the general reading the letter is um my friend rose's grandfather harv presnell oh really and um so like i always have a special place in my heart for any of his movies i mean he's he's like he's never like a main guy but like he's always in these like epic roles he's also randomly the guy like the guy who's frozen in <laughs> the guy who in out cold that movie who's like frozen <laughs> at the end <laughs> Um, but no, he's just like fantastic. And like that role, I mean, that has, that's to be cool. Epic. They got to play. I mean, he's, he's, dead, he's dead now. He's dead now. But I mean, that, that role is just so epic. And, and that scene like brings a tear to your eye. You can't watch it without, it. Yeah. you know, it, um, and, um, uh, so yeah, so I, but, but like mad respect for, for the directing of Spielberg for, or doing that to like cause contempt between the, um, the actors and like, um, you know, and it's just such an emotional movie. Like the whole thing, you know, went, well, yeah. I mean, Tom Hanks, like make this, make your life worth it. You know, yep. that whole, that whole scene. Um, and, oh, the f- fucking Vin Diesel. Take, take the letter to my father. It's got some blood on it. Like, yeah. Holy shit. Like, oh, um. Yeah. Uh, this. Yeah. This... I, so my, I have this memory of this movie. The first time I ever saw it, um, there was some like special showing. It had. It must have been either on the anniversary of D Day or Veterans Day or Memorial Day. I don't remember exactly. But it was one of those dates, and one of the major networks was showing this movie, uncut, like unedited in its original format like they showed the warnings before and everything and my dad like my dad's like a patriot like you know he, he never served or anything but like he's a guy he's an old school guy in his 60s that loves his country and um i remember him sitting us down at the dinner table he's like tonight we're watching this movie and like it was really important for him to, for us to watch this movie for whatever you know for whatever reason and i remember that and i just i, I was probably like too young to watch it and i was just like that, so I have that memory of like watching it for the first time like that, mm. and um, it's just like burned in my memory. Like the guy, like I said, like I, like, 
I, and I was I already knew what I was getting into that scene where you see the guy carrying his arm yeah and like looking and just like looking around and I'm like holy shit um so yeah I mean this movie it's it's more than a masterpiece I mean Tom Hanks role I mean I, I've, I've I've spewed on this before about how to, I love Tom Hanks I can gush about him forever he's he's my favorite actor but um, he he showed but, a whole different side of himself yeah a he showed a whole different thing. side of him and I would put his role in this up for like an all-time acting role. Like, you know, if there was like a top 10 all-time and you had to choose one out of the top 10, I'd put him up in that top 10 in this movie for, to, yeah, like you know. How he doesn't reveal, like, we can see it as the audience, but like his fear, but doesn't reveal it to his men and his leadership like just crazy, uh, um, uh, the whole uh, griping, griping up. If you don't gripe down, mm-hmm. I use that line in the kitchen today. Yeah. <laughs> um. What else I want to say about this? Oh, another great cast. Not oh, as like, not not as like big name as some of these other movies, but just well well put together. Uh, yeah. I mean, what else can you say about Saving Private Ryan? It's it's a masterpiece. Um, Barry Pepper, like one of my favorite, like um, always in the middle kind of actors, but like always kills it in his roles. Yep. Um, Great sniper. He and he shows up in a movie that's in my discards. Um, Giovanni Ribisi. Amazing actor. Um, another Tom Sizemore joint. He's basically uh, playing the same role as Black Hawk Down, but just different wars. <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel. Uh, Paul Giamatti. Yep. Yeah. Dennis, I mean, Dennis Farina you got. Yep. Uh, Paul Giamatti, like, underrated in this. Paul Giamatti, I feel like, is underrated in life. Agreed. I, I, I love Tom Paul Giamatti. Um, I don't know if anybody of you guys ever watched Billions, but it's not like not like a thing that would seem like our bag totally, but like he's really good in it. Um. Oh yeah, one one. So uh, so just to touch on Hanks again because I have to. Um, so like, he's like, gen- I think part of the reason why he was able to get this role and I don't know, I don't know at what point someone like him has to stop, um, reading for roles and then they're just, and, until they're just uh, like offered to them. Um, maybe this was still at a point in his career where he had to, um, you know, act and, and, and like act for a, or a director. Um, but he's like a world war two nut, like that's well known. And that's why he's like executive producer on band of brothers and the Pacific and stuff like that. Um, which both of those things, they can't fall into this list because they're, um, they're shows, but band of brothers is the greatest piece of world war two drama ever made. Yes. In my opinion. Agreed. Um, so absolutely watch that show. If you can, the Pacific um, I think is a letdown. Everyone loves it, but I, I thought it was good, but it fell short. Uh, and and it's a shame to say that because it's just like it's a piece of history. It wasn't 
the difference is that Band of Brothers was a specific true story that followed one group of guys. And the Pacific was more of a dramatization that kind of conglomerated a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, there was just too so, much off the battlefield, too. Yeah. But um, one quick story that I just wanted to say about Hanks that I think kind of touched onto his obsession or with World War or just war in general. But I, I listened to him on a podcast talk about when he was – he used to be a, a bellboy at a hotel, you know, meet you, grab your bag and stuff. And, um, he had another guy, he, he was young, he was like 18 and he had another bellman that worked with him that was much older. And, uh, he was getting ready. He, he said he was going on a trip. He had asked Hanks to cover a couple of his shifts and he said, and, uh, he said, Oh, so where are you going? He said, Oh, I'm heading over to, heading over to, uh, France. And, uh, he said, oh, okay. oh, like, what are you doing over there? And uh, he said, oh, you know, some of my friends and I are going to, we're, we're going to meet, we're going to see some friends that, you know, are over there. And like over time after talking to this guy, he realized what he was saying was that um, he and other soldiers that he served with were going over, were going over there to see the graves of friends that died in Normandy that didn't make it back. And, you know, that's just like, holy shit. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, war is real. This shit, you know, it's all crazy. Very, very good film. All right. I think that's a tight little list. I think we covered yeah, it all. I'm, I'm happy with it. And I didn't have to use the money in the bank. Yeah, when are you going to break that thing out? Well, no, I was saying, I, w I was thinking, I was saying earlier that you know I wasn't going to use it. It like there was no movie that someone was going to say that I hated. There's no war movie that I can think of that I hate. But it was only going to be if there was a movie that I thought had to make it on, it didn't. And I don't really feel that way about this list. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously there's there's a ton of discards, but that's expected. Oh yeah. Uh, with no, discards, like, huh? I was gonna say I feel like we did a good job covering multiple different wars and a lot of different aspects of them. Yeah, we only skipped uh, Civil War, which I think my movie my movie would have been Glory if we were gonna do that. Yeah, yeah I think Glory. But we've talked about. But we, yeah, we just talked about Glory recently. So, yeah. um, for a current modern war, uh, I was hoping to getting on the list was uh, the Hurt Locker. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was on my list, too. High, yeah. too. Yeah, high. I had it at uh, four. Great movie. I mean, and uh, Jeremy Renner's, like, performance in that is just top-notch. Yeah. Um, the way she cleaned American up at Sniper. the Oscars. Yeah, that movie did clean up at the Oscars. Yep. Uh, American Sniper, I had on my list. Um, but like I wasn't sure where to put it. If you've seen it, it's like a good movie, but it's like super, also fucking depressing and like it missed my list, um, especially with like how a lot of truth came out about the real life guy after the movie came yeah. out. I was like, eh. <laughs> um, 
so one so we were texting back and forth trying to decide like what constituted a war movie and so like the one so um schindler's list was the reason why i was asking that question uh i was thinking maybe you were talking about uh zero dark 30 well, I think did I use that? Is that the one I used in as a, as an example, or did I use something else as an example? Oh, I mean, it, maybe use that as an example, and that's why I'm thinking of it. Okay. Um, yeah, because Zero Dark Thirty, it's really just like focuses on a mission, but it's like also the war at a, as a whole. But like also, but like, I mean, so Schindler's List, another amazing like Spielberg masterpiece, one of his all time films. Um, but you know, obviously, it takes place during a war, and it's all about saving these prisoners of war um not even of war just like people who are like kid captured and you know for you know for their beliefs but um i just like i don't know based on because like what we were focusing on i I decided yeah there's no battles but um but it is a war movie but yeah yeah. um but amazing movie i mean tearjerker until the end for sure but um, what else do I have on here? Hacksaw Ridge. I, uh, yeah, that was that was um, either another, another Mel Gibson joint. So that movie, uh, did you rewatch it for this list? No, I saw it in theaters though. So I think it was my third time watching it, and the first couple of times I was so caught up in the violence. Like the first time I watched it, I was kind of like pissed at Mel Gibson. I was like, this is. He went too far. This is fucked up. Like it's too much. But then, like the third time I, I watched it, and I was like a little bit desensitized to that, or knew it was coming. It's not the best acted or written movie by any means. Like the battle scenes are pretty cool, but all the stuff in between is pretty rough and doesn't hold up okay. well. But those battle know. scenes are crazy. Yeah, I've only seen it the one time. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, I think a second time you would still enjoy it. Uh, have and, you guys seen the movie Jojo Rabbit? Yes, I yeah. love that movie. Guys, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even think, think of that. that on this list. That's a so great it, movie. So it, it was on my list. I would have put it in low, but just because it's not like super war, but it definitely well, is. Yeah, I wasn't even Hitler Youth. Um, really <laughs> fucking good movie. So if you're listening watch jojo rabbit it's that it's funny it's really sad but it's really it's like it's funny and sad and like yeah it's all about hitler youth about hitler and world war ii can be yeah and if you if you're listening and you watch the show or like the movie what we do in the shadows it's by the same dude um taika watiti who also directed thor ragnarok and thor uh, blood and thunder or whatever the new one is um so that has a lot of heat or has a lot of push behind it uh it just so happened to be made before he did all that shit so um check out jojo rabbit it's yeah. an epic great movie not not epic it's just a really fucking good movie um also also another movie with an awesome cast yes um and then the last movie although i could talk about a few a bunch more that i considered putting at my first pick was overlord because it's also a horror. Yeah, movie. yeah, it's a horror movie, and also a legit war movie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean discards. 
Um, let's see what I have written, written down. Uh, Full Metal Jacket, which we kind of touched on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've rewatched. Well, not rewatched. I watched uh, the remake of All Quiet on the Western Front. I think I talked about that the other day. Yeah, I still have to watch uh, that. I figured it wasn't really, going to be my list, so I didn't. Really long, but it's you know kind of similar to 1917, where it's a beautifully shot film and worth a watch just for you know the cinematography and score. Um, talking to people about this list, a lot of people brought up Dunkirk, and I just like didn't. No, I didn't really. I love Dunkirk, but I, I had a feeling it didn't hit with you guys, and it didn't hit with a lot of people. It's one of the most boring movies I've ever watched. It, it is. It, yeah. It has boring parts, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, not a whole lot happens in that movie. Uh, uh, another movie that's a great, you know, cinematographer. Uh, the the cinematography is great. Yeah, I know the whole thing they, they, they really, like, touched on that was, like, the Dolby sound. It's going to be, like, the best it's ever been which it has for like i mean for the air the the air air force stuff was crazy yeah. crazy i just felt like it was visually hard to follow and, and you couldn't and, understand and what tom hardy was saying there was also just like a whole lot of watching people wait on a beach yeah <laughs> a lot and, of people um, sail boats uh, I, 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 I like I don't that movie. To, I, I, yeah i i don't want to i don't want to shit on let's no, just keep no, moving no. Uh, the other one was The Great Escape, which I just watched for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. Steve McQueen, World War II. Uh, the, I, I couldn't get into it the first half. I mean, it's another one. All these movies are like two and a half, like two hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah, they're not, yeah. The, there's no 90-minute war movies for some reason. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, which. Well, hold on, but. Uh, the Great Escape, the first like hour and fifteen, hour and, and a half, I just couldn't get into it. But then the next, like the last ninety minutes or whatever it is, is, is really really good and was a lot of like uh, kind of fun with them escaping the prison. But then it goes, you know, once they escape prison, it, it gets a little depressing and a bunch of them die. But overall, really good film. Steve McQueen, that dude rules. Um. I this will be the last thing I say, movie I say, but I forgot to mention Patton. Yes, yes. Um, which I actually watched this afternoon, but because it's so long, I fell asleep. Yeah. Um, but the speech in the beginning is worthy of one of the top speeches of all time, which I it, it, which is a version of a real speech he gave. Apparently, the real speech he gave had a lot more profanity in it. Um, and it was hilarious is that movie is even though they curse a lot, they don't use the, they don't use the F bomb, but they, but it's a PG movie. Oh yeah. They, pretty they funny. didn't care back then. Um, as long as there was no but, um, but, um, yeah, uh, amazing performance. Um, and, yeah, that I mean that speech is I, I I watch it I'm like I think I I think that's just like the greatest like it's like a wrestling interview or like like, like a wrestling shoot, <laughs> promo promo cut know? yeah it's seriously like an amazing wrestling promo like you know like um, no bastard ever died for his country uh, never did anything glorious dying for his country only dumb bastards that like die for their country or some shit you know like. Amazing. 
Yeah, I did that one. All right, let me get through mine real quick so we can get to this Eagles game. Uh, I really wanted uh, Fury from 2014 to make the list. I love that movie. It's another great cast, smaller cast, but having them all stuck in a tank together, I think worked great. Um, you guys think that one? I I liked it. It was weird. Fine, fine. The, I found the um the whole thing in the apartment was very awkward when they were like in those ladies' apartment. Yeah, I I think it was supposed to be, and then oh I know it was supposed to be, and then it like, just showed how much of an animal John Bernthal was, and the whole thing with this, them just being different people that would have never had any association together if they were in the real world being stuck together because they're in the same tank. Yeah. No, I, I've only seen it the one time in theaters. I probably need to revisit it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, give it a rewatch. It's I remember very like, well done. I just, John Bernthal is a nut. Out, that's, that scene sticks out in my head. Yeah, yeah. I, I Same for me. And I and like you said, I know it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention uh, Midway, the original and the remake, actually. The remake's a little bit on the nose and cheesy, but pretty good. And the original is one of my favorites. Um, both obviously about the Battle of Midway, which was a huge turning point in us winning that war. Um, and doing the whole father-son dynamic of fighting together uh, in, a, in a war was pretty effective. Um... Shit, there was something else I was thinking about as you guys were talking. Oh, oh, my Dark Horse, uh, which I never would have put on the list. But Tigerland, has anyone ever seen that? No. With mm-hmm. Colin Farrell. It would have been hard to argue as a war. So it takes place during Vietnam, but it only takes place with Colin Farrell and the, the co-lead during boot camp. There's no scenes of war or in Vietnam. It's just them during boot camp. But it uh, shows a lot of the, like the angst and anxiety of going into that war and being drafted and going through boot camp. It's pretty intense. Cool. Yeah, that was it. Oh, the only other one I was going to mention, which couldn't have made the list because it was more of a documentary. Did you guys ever see They Shall Not Grow Old? No, I want to. Peter Jackson's uh, World War One documentary. But it's not really a documentary as much as he just took interviews with uh, the soldiers that were actually there on the Western Front and pieced that together with footage that he colorized that, you know, nobody's seen in over 100 years. So it it doesn't really follow a story or um, like there's no plot. It's more just like individual stories without specific details. These guys reminiscing about what it was like being there with putting <clears throat> going it and it, it's just wild you know it really humanizes uh people that fought and died over shit over a hundred years ago the uh the world war ii in color uh documentary does a really good job of that because you're seeing actual footage it's like um they show it, I forget which war movies, but they show it in various war movies where they had 
uh, journalists there, like on the front lines with them filming. Um, and there's a documentary about seeing that footage, but transfer it to color. They have that every time I go to Goodwill, there's a full set of that on VHS tape. And I just like, I, I have no reason to buy that, but I kind of want to buy it. <laughs> so I don't know how we, I, I think that we need to do a documentary list at some point. I just don't know how we like categorize it. Because um, yeah. obviously there's documentaries in a million different topics. Um, I do love. Have you guys, I do love my docs. Rescue Dawn. Huh? No. Uh, Christian Bale. Vietnam movie. You guys seen that? Nope. Uh, a long time ago, like I couldn't. It's like Christian Bale and Steve Zahn. Yeah. And the whole thing is that there are POWs in Vietnam. Directed by Werner Herzog. Um, so it's actually based on like he decided to direct this movie. Because he had made a documentary years earlier called uh, "Little Little Deezer Needs to Fly," and it's about and the documentary is about the dude like it's the real story about the dude that gets caught in that, and like the documentary is like a million not not that there's anything wrong with the movie the movie's fine, but it's just like because it's like you're hearing the real shit and it's like they interview the real guy, um, it's just like better. You know, because it's not just dramatization. Um, so that's just because you guys were talking about or documentaries. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a documentary about Vietnam POWs and Werner Herzog is, in my opinion, he's like the greatest documentary ever that ever lived. So, mm. um, uh, yeah, well, I hate to cut you boys off, but I gotta. Get on to that Eagles game, otherwise my recording of it is going to interfere with my recording of Yellowstone. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Game so far. Good stuff. Right. We'll see you next week with a, probably a watch us or die, and then we'll get back into another war games. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, uh, we are the Killer Pod crew. Love, peace, and chicken grease. We are out of here.